Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we have a lot to cover tonight. We have the debut of CM Punk on AEW Rampage last night to talk about, which could potentially shift the needle when it comes to the wrestling war going on currently between the WWE and AEW. Speaking of WWE, we also have SummerSlam currently ongoing live on Peacock. Uh, We already have seen a couple of titles change hands already tonight. And will we potentially see more? Uh, We also have various trades and signings that took place around the NBA this week, as well as an update on a few uh, NFL quarterback competitions that are going on around the NFL. Uh, so if you guys want to call in tonight and talk some sports, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Uh, we will hopefully be on for the full three hours tonight if Blog Talk does not disconnect me again like it did yeah. last Saturday night. Uh, luckily, though, Lou, I do have a uh, plan in place just in case uh, – I I tried it last night during our Big Brother podcast, and it ended up working. So uh, I'm going to try it again tonight, and hopefully if I'm still on before uh, other business uh, takes place. Yeah. Well, even even if you're you know if you're not, we can ju- we can just limit it to the two hours uh, if nobody right. else is on. Uh, at that time, anyways. Uh, but Lou, I'm not uh, trying to see if that I, if that wrestling match is on is uh, streaming available because I'm trying to go to the website see if I can find it. But so far, no luck. Yeah, uh, SummerSlam is available on Peacock. If you have Peacock right now, uh, I wow. guess Peacock users get the WWE Network for free. So uh, if you're if you have Peacock. If you have Peacock, it is available to be streamed right now. Um, but currently we have the Usos taking on the uh, the Mysterio family for the – or I should say ah. they're defending their tag team titles against the Mysterio family. Uh, we have already seen two title changes tonight. Uh, we have the duo of Randy Orton and Matt Riddle taking the tag team championships – uh, from Raw off of uh, AJ Styles and Almost, and we also have seen Sheamus lose his uh, United States Championship to Damian Priest, and there are still a few other tag team or there are a few, a few other titles up for grabs tonight as well. Uh, but I want to talk about, and I'm pretty sure you may have all, you may have heard about what happened last night because this has been getting. Main, uh, mainstream attention, quite frankly. Uh, even yes. ESPN covered it. Uh, CM Punk made his return to the wrestling world right. for the first time in seven years. And in my opinion, it is a, it is definitely a needle mover because 
we all know that WWE and AEW have been in a uh, in a war back to back with each other. Uh, yes. you know, against each other. And AEW, I mean, they have been signing stars, but in, in my opinion, up until last night, they had not signed somebody who could actually move the needle in the in right. the war until it was revealed in Chicago, CM Punk's hometown, that CM Punk was signed to AEW. And it isn't a short-term thing. It's he He's there for the long haul, apparently. And when I say that this was maybe one of the loudest, if not the loudest ovation I've ever heard from fans on television – I mean, it was it was deafening, and I would think it would be deafening there at the arena, but it was it was deafening, you know, just from watching it on TV. I almost thought that the sound was going to go out at one point on yeah. uh, on my television, but yeah. <laughs> AEW they. Uh, they did it. They did it right by starting off the show, bringing him out, and he gave a, I would honestly say, an unscripted promo, because, uh, you know, that's the best. Uh, he works the best when when he can speak from his heart and not, not having to read little Counts. stupid lines that uh, that the uh, creative uh, the creative team is putting out there. Right, right. and. When I say that he's a needle mover, let me put it this way. On AEW's YouTube page, the two biggest videos from last night are ones that CM Punk was involved in. And they each have at least uh, up until this point, I haven't checked uh, recently, but uh, as of a couple of hours ago, they had around 2.6 million views per video. And this uh-huh. this thing literally this literally just happened last night. Not just that, but also fans apparently crashed uh, AEW's store online yeah. as soon as, as soon as his merchandise was made available. There were so many there people there. flooding the site that apparently it shut. Apparently, uh, the site completely caved in on itself. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, as much as I don't follow um, WWE, I have heard of CM Punk. Yeah. I mean, he obviously, he made his, uh, he made his bones in Ring of Honor uh, at first before he ended up going, before he ended up going to the WWE. And then uh, basically he burned quite frankly, I don't know how, pretty much all of the bridges with WWE. and he even in his promo last night, in his promo last night, he said he left the wrestling business after Ring of Honor. So he doesn't even consider WWE part of the wrestling business. I, I guess he probably considers them more sports entertainment as opposed to wrestling, which, I mean, would it would make uh-huh. sense. Yes. I mean, just the ovation that he got. And I'm very interested. I don't think the, I don't think the ratings have come out yet for last night. I'm very interested to see what the rating is because if it's high, I think this could potentially be a big though. turning point. 
Uh, TNT. TNT. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, AEW, AEW, they have uh, they signed a deal two years ago with uh, Turner oh, Broadcasting. Oh right, right. And I was thinking USA. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, that's WWE. That's definitely uh, WWE. Okay. WWE. Yeah, but actually, uh, WWE was there was talks that possibly. You know, WWE may get bought out by NBC, who, of course, owns uh, USA Network. Right, right. So I think I think it's, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that uh, USA Network, they're not going to move away from the WWE. They're going to be strictly all about WWE, regardless of, you know, if they have any sort of wrestling on any of their channels, any of uh, NBC's yeah. channels, it will it will be strictly WWE related. And actually, I just checked; there are no ratings available uh, for last night's AEW Rampage. But I gotta tell you, the the hype was so off the charts that at the arena, you know, at, at every wrestling show, they always have a merchandise stand uh, of some sort. Uh, you know, yes. where obviously, usually, usually it's crowded to begin with, but they literally had people because since this was at the United Center, uh, the home of the Blackhawks last night, they had people going uh, piling on the escalators, just trying to, uh, you know, trying to get in line, basically. Uh, I told you, man. To buy to buy his merchandise. I mean, they had to have made a killing. And the thing is, the thing that kind of makes me think that maybe perhaps this might be a turning point. Not only did they sign CM Punk, who has gotten mainstream attention ever since it was rumored that he would be signing, they've also reportedly signed Daniel Bryan, although. Indie fans will know him as Brian Danielson uh, right. from from his long time on the independent circuit before he became a member of the WWE. And this literally just came out today. It is expected that Bray Wyatt, the son, one of the sons of IRS, will be moving from WWE to AEW. Once his non-compete clause is officially uh, is officially expired, these three signings, if the if it is if the other two are true, could be huge for AEW and also for the wrestling industry as a whole. Because we remember how hot the competition was back in the '90s when it was WCW versus the WWF. Very well, and the only way they can get back to they can get back to that type of greatness is if AEW really starts making some moves. Which, from what it looks like, it looks it looks like uh, there's definitely some moves being made behind the scenes. Because think about it, obviously. You know, WWE gets taught they they only get talked about if it's like, you know, The Rock or John Cena is 
is doing a promotional thing or whatnot. Yeah. You had you had multiple multiple organizations talking about CM Punk and his debut last night. That right there, that is that tells me that basically AEW is definitely catching the eye of so many more people than than uh, than people may think. Exactly. And you would you would think, Lou, that there would that WWE would have to respond in some sort of way, wouldn't you think? That tonight. You know they would because of the amount of attention well, that that CM Punk got with AEW. You, wouldn't you think that there would have to be some sort of response tonight? I yeah, I think there will. Of course, you know WWE is uh, popular declining. You know, and AEW and the others, you know, have taken over. It's like you know WWE is you know has been losing ground for some time now. So. I was under the retaliation would have been in order. I mean, this would be probably a way to get him back up to, you know, once more as the king of the, the wrestling world. But obviously uh, they have agreed to be silent. I mean, let's, let's face it. WWE is, is still considered the global wrestling king. You know, yes. there's, they're, a billion, they're a billion dollar company. There's no way they're going to go under and whatnot. You know, it, it, they don't need to worry well, at all right. about they don't have to worry at all about, you know, potentially uh, losing money. But they do have to worry about AEW being quite possibly the the biggest competition that they've had, quite frankly, yeah. since, TN, since TNA was good back in, like, 2006 to 2008. At oh, that, yeah, TNA. At that point, before, before TNA brought in Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, which basically sent the company completely downhill, they were looked at as legitimate competition to the WWE. Yeah. Then once they started going downhill, WWE was like, okay, well, we we can basically go on cruise control, essentially. Which they did for like the next decade. Now, with AEW constantly pushing the, uh, you know, pushing the button and basically letting people know, you know, you guys have an alternative you can tune into. You don't have to have to be uh, insulted every week by WWE. You can t- tune into TNT and watch AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage instead. So I would think that there would have to be some sort of response tonight by WWE. If that means oh, I don't know, maybe potentially putting the title on, uh, putting the world title on uh, on Big E, considering he has maybe. the Money in the Bank briefcase. He has the Money in the Bank yeah. briefcase, which basically means he gets a title opportunity whenever he wants, even if it's in, even if it's in the middle of a match that's already ongoing. You know, he can get a world title opportunity whenever he wants. And I right. would think if WWE was going to put together some sort of response, apart from CM Punk returning, there is literally nothing else that wrestling fans have wanted more in recent years than for Big E to finally become a world champion. 
ever since right. he was part of the New Day and everything. They've seen Big E as one of the guys with probably the most potential to actually make a legitimate run as a heavyweight champion. If there were, if, if there was a way for WWE to respond, that would be the way to do it tonight. But according to I would sources, say something, but I'll be a gentleman about it. No, go ahead. No, I mean, like, you know, I, was, I would say something, but uh, it would involve a few four-letter words. <laughs> oh, I see. Like I said, I want but, to be a gentleman about it. You know, the the thing is, though, from according to uh, to sources in the uh, in the Internet wrestling community, it they basically said uh, as of a couple of days ago, about five days ago, the source stated to not expect a reactionary move out of the WWE when CM Punk shows up on AEW Rampage, which was basically 24 hours prior to the second biggest show of the year for the WWE. So the source claims to, you know, don't, don't expect anything big tonight, which hmm. in my opinion would probably be a mistake. It would be. I would. I would because, start uh, retiring right away. Yeah, because otherwise you're I mean, pretty much just you're pretty much just allowing AEW to build up momentum like they did last night. Do that. And your competitor take advantage. Yeah, and the thing that I the thing that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that would probably be the best case scenario. And knowing how Vince does things, he'll do this and yeah. just to basically stick it to fans, he'll end up making that, he'll end up pulling that trigger, but then it'll be one of the shortest oh, yeah. title reigns that you have probably ever seen. So, yes, you know, it's, but you know, still, if, if, if I was in his position, that's probably what I would do tonight, and and pulling yeah. the trigger, making uh, making Big E a champion. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, because you gotta retaliate some way. I mean, you can't take this lying down. You know, you're, you're talking about your credibility here, and you're going to let your opponent get away with it. Yeah. Wait, because otherwise, otherwise, it 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 just doesn't make sense at all for them no. to. For, the, for them to basically do nothing in response because you're basically giving AEW free space, essentially. Got by fire with fire. But anyways, uh, we did have earlier this week a whole bunch of different moves that went down in the NBA. Uh, yeah. In particular, some of these I'm – Still very questionable about. Uh, first off, the Memphis Grizzlies. This is probably the biggest trade of the of the week, with the Memphis yes. Grizzlies trading Eric Bledsoe to the L.A. Clippers 
in exchange for Patrick Beverly, Rajon uh, Rondo, and Daniel Oturu. And I mean, I, I get, I get why the Grizzlies did this. This makes all the sense in the world for them. Get rid of Eric Bledsoe's horrific contract, and you end up bringing in. Granted, it would create a logjam at the guard position for them, but still, you know, you you have Rajon. Basically, the Grizzlies right now are at that point where they need to fill their roster with players that have experience. They have all the young talent, but they need players that have been that have been to the dance, basically, that have been to the yeah. NBA Finals, that have. Uh, you know that have actually ha- that have actually uh, won titles, like Rajon Rondo, for example. Granted, Beverly hasn't yet, but that's because, well, let's face it, he was on the Clippers, and the Clippers literally right. uh, have never seen an NBA final. So, right, uh, you know, and it's not just that, but you. I, I just don't understand why the Clippers would bother acquiring the likes of Bledsoe unless it was something that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George pushed for. But Bledsoe, this past year with the Pelicans, only 12.2 points per game on 42.1% shooting, and now he's going to be the backup to Reggie Jackson with the massive contract that he has. I mean, I, I get yeah. it. I get it. A couple of years ago, he was a fantasy. He was a stud in in uh, in fantasy basketball. A couple of years ago, I understand that. Yeah. But you know, for the money that he's being paid, he's not putting up. He's not putting up the numbers for it. And what doesn't ma- what doesn't make sense at all, even more, is the fact that the Clippers give up probably one of their one of their biggest stars in Patrick Beverly in this deal. Obviously they, they do, they, uh, they also give up Rondo, but Rondo at this point has been, you know, he's been pretty much uh, on the move ever since he left uh, the Lakers. And Oturu, Oturu's basically more of a throw in at this point uh, for this especially with him being behind Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark uh, in the power forward position. So, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like Oturu may be, may be waived anyways. So, yeah. Uh, but, and actually I believe, let me double check. I believe Patrick Beverly did get moved as well. Again. Uh Oh yeah, yeah. He did get he he did get moved. Uh, he got shipped off to the Timberwolves in exchange for Jarrett Culver, as well as Juancho Hernan Gomez. So it makes sense that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna keep both Beverly and Rondo. They did uh, they they end up shipping off Beverly to Minnesota, and. Basically, Beverly will be off of the bench, essentially, considering that D'Angelo Russell is currently their starter at point. Uh, Culver, though, 
it seems like Minnesota has given up on him already two years after he was drafted sixth overall. Uh, wow. And he's failed to live up to, uh, to expectations. Uh, he only shot in his first two years in the NBA, he only shot 40.6% from the floor, 28.8 from downtown. And he only, he only landed half of his free throw attempts while averaging 7.8 points and 3.3 rebounds per game. Now, maybe if he has a change of scenery and uh, is working with a, with a team that honestly is probably in much better shape than the Timberwolves are now with, uh, with him joining Memphis, maybe perhaps uh, a change of scenery could potentially help his career. And as far as Hernan Gomez goes, uh, Hernan Gomez, he dislocated his left shoulder this summer and before the start of yes. the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, he was prevented from playing for Spain this year. So he basically, from what it sounds like, it sounds like this played a huge role uh, in Minnesota moving on from him. And at this point, this, uh, it also it also looks like too that the the uh, the Grizzlies are going to have to do more roster trimming because they need to get down to 15 players by opening night, and they currently have 18 on their uh, on their roster. So obviously that's going to we're going to see some trimming down uh, there. But what are your obviously. thoughts, Lou? On what, what are your thoughts on on this whole just the, just this whole uh, sequence first with Memphis trading Eric Bledsoe to L.A. and then taking Patrick Beverly and shipping him off to Minnesota? Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it's a smart move or not. I mean, you know, the Clippers aren't going to see a championship even in this roster anyway, so it's not going to add much. I mean, Gomez, I'm not really crazy about. I mean, he hasn't really done much, so I don't see how you're gonna, you know, stack up with that one. So basically, I don't think there was much. I don't think there was a smart move. There are moves you can make that are smart, and there are moves you can make that are not. And that I think was one of them. I'm surprised they're still going on. I mean, the trade deadline last week, and they're still making, they're still doing it. I mean, even the waiver period I thought was over. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you're you're still seeing teams. You're still seeing teams yeah. making uh, yeah. making different moves, you know. So, uh, obviously, that domino effect is still is still ongoing, even even uh, as far as this week went. But I mean, just taking a look at Eric Bledsoe's contract for a minute, he's due eighteen point eighteen point one million dollars this year, and next year. He's due nineteen point three million before he becomes a free agent in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and he and he's putting up he, he he's putting up twelve like somewhere around twelve points per game. Oh, not terrible for that type of contract. No. For that yeah, type I mean, of it's contract not worth it. though, not worth it. No, not worth it. No, I, yeah, no, I'd be expecting a hell of a lot more. Compared to what uh, 
Like I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you an example here. Move, moving on to this next uh, this next bit. Now I've I've railed on the Celtics uh, in regards to Marcus Smart. You know when it when it comes to uh, to Smart making stupid decisions on the court. But, right. You know, t- just uh, when you look at Smart's game overall as a whole. He has, I mean, granted, he's not doing much better in the point department, 13.3 points per game, but he is, yeah. he's hes more clutch compared to Eric Bledsoe. And considering right. Marcus, Smart just agree, Marcus Smart just agreed to a four-year, $77.1 million extension with the Celtics mm-hmm. this week. And, I, and the, the contract does include a trade kicker, which officially goes into effect, I think, beginning with the second year of his deal. Uh, I mean, I would, rather have, I would rather have Marcus Smart on my roster than have Eric Bledsoe in his contract on the roster. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think about that, Lou? You know, Mar- Marcus Smart—he was considered to be potentially on the uh, potentially on the trade block this offseason. Yeah, I know. With, with all of these uh, all of these rumors that were coming out about him, and the fact that Brad Stevens wasn't happy with uh, with the production that he was putting up last year, or not not the production, but his decisions that he made, basically last year and however though he he is seen by Ime Udoka as one of the foundational pieces of this roster and Udoka obviously being the new head coach uh, clearly sees some sort of some sort of role for Marcus Smart um, it looks like he's going to be the starting point guard uh, for this for for the for the Celtics starting this year So, do you think that he's worth four years, seventy-seven mil, which is basically the max, the max type of extension that they could give him at this point? I don't know if he's worth that much. I mean, he is he is a good player, but seventy-seven million, I think that's a little bit too high. And uh, let me also add in add in here. He is also uh, a member of the all-defensive first team, I believe, or he is a former all-defensive uh, defensive all-NBA uh, first teamer. Uh, he averaged 13.3 points this year with 5.9 assists. Uh, he landed two. Tri- he averaged two two three-pointers per game. Three-pointers landed, I should say, per game, as well as 1.6 steals per game on 39.7% shooting as a starter last year. Now, keep in mind, he was playing as a, sh- as a shooting guard pretty much all of last year. But we have seen when it comes to distributing the ball, he, he can be a great facilitator for the Celtics. So I was at first I was pissed off about this about this extension because I kind of figured, you know, if the Celtics are trying to go after Bradley Beal, this would this would hard cap them basically. You know, there's there's no way that they'd be able 
uh, to end up going after Beal. But the more I thought about it, Smart can potentially be moved, and that's probably why they why they gave him such a big salary is the fact that it would basically be used to to sort of balance out the two uh, the two ma- the two salaries if they were to ever try and attempt to trade for Bradley Beal. But when it comes to, you know, comparing, would you rather have Marcus Smart? Would you rather have Eric Bledsoe? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking Smart every single day, every single yeah. time that somebody would ask me that. I would, too. I would take Smart. Now, now the Marcus Smart deal, I mean, it, it's, it, it is questionable, but when, when you take a look at one of the other deals, that was uh that was made yeah. this week you're kind of wondering you're kind of wondering how the hell was this even uh no, as you, you know, it, even yes, agreed to and this next one the this next one that i'm talking that i'm going to talk about is uh, the celtics yesterday they officially signed robert williams the 3rd to yep. a 4 year 54 million dollar contract extension and i mean when you consider what he's averaged per 36 minutes he averaged 14 point he was on pace to average 14.1 points on 72% shooting 12.3 rebounds and 3.6 blocks per 36 minutes. He is also the only player in NBA history to log more than a thousand minutes and match or exceed those per 36 stats. Mm-hmm. The big problem here is he cannot stay healthy to save his life. Uh-huh, it's true. I mean, what do you expect from a player he, like I, that who can't stay healthy? It's not worth that kind of money, then. Yeah. But I mean, really. when he is healthy, when he is healthy, though, I mean, they literally just they just started experimenting with him potentially being a starter this year. I see. But – he averaged uh, – in his third year in the league, he averaged eight points, 6.9 rebounds, and 1.8 assists, as well as 1.8 blocks per game uh, in 18.9 minutes per game. Now, assuming he is he, – he, apparently he's going to be the starting center. And if he can stay healthy, he was putting up – a crazy amount of uh, a crazy amount of uh, production that would be yes. worth giving him sixteen. Uh, I think it's wait. No, it's not sixteen. I think it's about a little less than fourteen million dollars per year. Hmm. And I mean, it would make sense if he can stay healthy he would definitely be worth that amount considering what he's averaging per 36 minutes that he plays. Yes. However, this could potentially backfire big time. Maybe it's because of all the contracts that 
you know, big men are getting around the league. That right, right. The, South, the Celtics probably felt that they should probably move on Williams right now before, before his potential asking price goes through the roof. And this would basically be the way for the, uh, to re-sign him like they mm-hmm. did. But I just have – I, I, I always have this feeling in the back of my mind that it could potentially blow up in their face if he can't stay healthy. Yeah, can't I was thinking healthy. that too. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm hoping that, you know, because he, he has made considerable progress in, in his development. And that, that yeah. kind of makes me wonder if that's why the Celtics didn't, you know, didn't put more of an F to go after certain players this free agency. Because they still have the, uh, I mean, they signed Dennis Schroeder for the, uh, for the lowest exception that they could, which was about, I think, $5.9 million. Uh, which, by the way, he, he is going to be on a uh, on a prove it deal, basically, with this uh, with this contract that he signed. So, uh, with him potentially coming off of the bench, uh, you could see a career year potentially from Dennis Schroeder in a Celtics uniform. Uh, Especially after he turned down he turned down four years and eighty four million from the Lakers earlier this year, thinking that he was going to get more down. in free agency. I know. I, I, it was, it, it was insane to think that he, that he turned down that money and this was granted. Determined by suicide. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're, he was basically banking on himself thinking that he would, yeah. uh, you know, that he would basically, uh, he would basically take it to the bank essentially when it comes to, uh, he 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 pretty much felt that th- his performance warranted more money this year in free agency, and as we saw, he basically had to wait until pretty much everybody else was uh, was essentially off of the market before he right. could agree to a deal with with a team. But I think, considering what he did as a starter for the Lakers. I think he could potentially have a big year off of that Celtics bench. And it's possible. You know, now that now that I look at the Celtics starting five, you know, you got Marcus Smart starting at point. I assume that probably Richardson may start at shooting guard unless they decide to move uh J- Jalen Brown back over to shooting guard. You got Tatum playing the power forward. Unless they move Tatum back to unless they move Tatum back to small forward, yes, uh, you could potentially put Al Horford in the in the power forward position uh, with with obviously Robert Williams being uh, the starting center with Ennis Cantor backing him up. Uh, you know. I, I, However, though, I still see the Celtics as they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're just going to barely get in. 
I think they would be you're you're probably looking at probably either a seventh or eighth seed uh team. Now hopefully Playing I'm game. wrong. Hopefully you know, hopefully with the with the uh with the change of coaching, maybe perhaps I'm wrong and it's gonna be it's gonna be completely different and you know, maybe we'll actually see them start playing like they're like they actually give a shit this year. But well uh I mean, you have, to, you have to keep in mind, you know, Brad Stevens kind of lost to the locker room last year. So that's, yes, why, that's why you were seeing subpar performances out of certain players. Yeah. And then speaking of former Celtics, uh, Terry Rozier, you want to talk about the yes. guy that got away? Terry yeah. Rozier, a form, formerly known as Scary Terry, uh, during Gary. his time in Boston, he agreed to a max deal with the Hornets worth four, uh, for four years worth about $97 million coming off of yeah, the best season of his NBA career, uh, averaging 20.4 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.3 steals, and 3.2 three-pointers per game while shooting 45% from the field and 81.7% from free throw range. And yeah. it kind of it makes you wonder why the hell did they move on from, or why, 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 couldn't, why didn't they move on from Marcus Smart at this point? Right. And, and one of your guys was the Knicks. Yes, Evan Fournier, that's right. Uh, and actually, it's uh, thank you for mentioning that because I forgot about this. Uh, there, there was a sign and trade that was completed earlier this week that gives the Celtics, I think it's seventeen point one uh, million for a player exception. I think I think it's yes. seventeen or eighteen point one. But the Knicks did get two second round picks. Although, let's face it, one of them is considered to be a fake second-round pick uh, that was included in the Al Horford deal, I believe it was, with Oklahoma City for Ke- for Kemba Walker. So, uh, basically, they, they, they had to give the Knicks some sort of compensation in order uh, to make the, the trade player, the, the TPE, uh, be able to be generated. So technically, I mean, even though it says the Knicks are getting two second-round picks, technically they're only getting one second-round pick because yeah. the other one is not the other one is not going to uh, not going to convert over basically. However, I gotta say, uh, I, I am still pissed off that the uh, that the Celtics did not try and uh, and re-sign Evan Fournier this year. Because I think it, when he's fully healthy, because keep in mind, he did come down with COVID last year. When he's fully healthy, he's probably one of the best shooters potentially in the league. So I think the Knicks got quite the pickup with this, with this move. I mean, yes. Yeah. 
what did, what did you think, Lou, of the uh, of the Knicks acquisitions that they did, or not just acquisitions, but the re-signings as well uh, that they did this year, bringing back the Knicks Derrick are on Rose. The, yeah, Knicks are on the move, and I think this is going to help them off a lot. I mean, you know, they made the playoffs last year. Nobody thought they were going to get, you know, to where they were last, uh, last year, but they've really shown that they um, can compete in the um, – in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, is that it's an indication? Okay, we ran well, bust up by Trey Young, but you know we had such a great season, and I think the Knicks can build on that. So they made some smart moves uh, during this trade and uh, making acquisitions later. So it's really uh, it's really helped us uh, quite a bit. I'm looking to see how it will continue. At least I'm hoping that way. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh... It's definitely a bright, uh, a very bright uh, spot for the Knicks this year, this year. Considering you, when you take a look at their roster, you didn't really lose anybody, and also I believe you you did re-sign Julius Randle, I believe, we to did. a uh, to an extension. So uh, he's finally yeah, making the money that he wants to make. You also forgot one of the players going to the Knicks too. You forgot one player that's going to the Knicks. Who? Oh. Kemba Walker. Kemba, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, that you know that was kind of surprising, seeing uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder buy him out because I would have mm-hmm. thought Oklahoma City would have been able to get another, maybe potentially another first round pick for him, but. You know, considering that obviously they need they needed the uh, they need the cap space, and he definitely uh, getting rid of him definitely provides the cap space by buying him out. And actually, if I recall correctly, didn't he sign with the Knicks for the veteran minimum? Yes. However much that was. Having having Walker sign for the veteran minimum. Now, granted, his knee is never going to be a hundred percent ever again. Uh, but he still played some very valuable basketball last year and the last two seasons for the Celtics. So, if I'm a Knicks fan, I would not be worried at all about Kemba. It's you. You just have to be able to manage his playing time correctly mm-hmm. and ensure, ensure that he can stay on the court. But uh, as far as production, I would not worry at all about production coming from Kemba because you're probably going to get uh, pretty close to the, and, and keep in mind, you know, Kemba, uh, obviously he isn't the player that he was for, for Charlotte anymore, uh, mainly because of his knee, but he was still, very productive the last two years with Boston and I I would think that acquiring Kemba, assuming he can stay healthy you're probably looking at uh, a potential huge piece for a playoff run uh, moving forward here and you could kind of argue that if they had Kemba last year, maybe you could have potentially gotten past the Knicks or past the Hawks. Because I think that may be 
I mean, obviously you're going to have Derek Rose backing up, uh, backing up Kemba, assuming that Kemba is going to be the starter. Uh, but all, all New York has basically been missing is a facilitator. And you have that with Kemba without a doubt. But, you know, I, I don't know. What, what has, uh, what have the Knicks faithful thought about, uh, about all of these, all these moves that, that they've done this, uh, this off season? I mean, well, I can't speak for anybody else, right? but I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. You know, and I think it's going to put more be. contention. I would be. I would definitely be thrilled because I hated seeing Kemba leave Boston, but yeah, I know. Considering considering the state of his knee and where we are at this point in terms of contention. He and not to mention uh, the salary cap. It was the best. It was the best decision possible for both parties to basically move on. However, though, apparently this did piss off. Uh, this did piss off Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Apparently, though, but it had to be done in order to. Uh, in order to ensure that Boston would be able to at least stay in contention and maybe potentially add a couple of pieces. Uh, some other news around the NBA. Uh, Josh Hart apparently is closing in on a three-year, $38 million deal with the Pelicans. Uh, he averaged about 9.2 points with eight rebounds and three, uh, 2.3 assists per game last year, uh, shooting 44% from, uh, from three-point range. However, he was also logging 28.7 minutes a night. Uh, so in terms of where he stands with the Pelicans, Considering they have a new coach in Willie Green, uh, it depends. It depends on whether or not he will be able to continue that uh, that line of production. Considering, you know, where uh, considering uh, how how many minutes a night he was having last year. Uh, however, this does also open up the uh, the door for potential increased competition uh, for minutes from Trey Murphy, uh, Nikhil uh, Alexander Walker, and Najee Marshall, Marshall as well uh, for the Pelicans. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, for New Orleans fans. In Detroit, uh, the Pistons have re-signed Hamidou Diallo. Uh, to a two-year, $10.4 million deal after he had a nice few games uh, last year in Detroit. But overall, he wasn't really that impressive with averages of 11.2 points, uh, 5.4 rebounds, and 1.2 assists on 46.8% shooting, uh, averaging about 23.3 minutes a night. And as far as fantasy goes, not a lot of people view him as really somebody to take essentially. So, you know, not really, uh, not really something uh, for people to worry about essentially. No. Uh, We do have some NHL news. Well, actually first, before I go on with that, uh, apparently the WWE did 
make a corresponding statement, Lou, About time. Uh, to to CM Punk's uh, return la- last night as Becky Lynch returned from uh, from her maternal leave. Uh, she's been gone for the past the past year, actually, uh, ever since she had a kid. Uh, she is officially back, and she is the new SmackDown Women's Champion, replacing Sasha Banks tonight and defeating Bianca Belair in, like, five seconds, basically. Uh, officially being crowned the new SmackDown Women's Champion, and... She's probably one of the mo- one of the more popular women in the WWE today. So this is basically WWE's uh, first. A lot of people would would consider it a re- uh, a retaliation in response to CM Punk debuting last night for AEW. But who knows? Maybe there's more up their sleeve. Uh, yeah. But this is a pretty big response from the WWE when it comes to, uh, you know, having star power back as I think definitely the women's division was definitely missing Becky Lynch the past, the past year. Uh, but onto the NHL news, uh, first off the NHL board of governors has reportedly approved Jersey advertisements starting in the 2022, 2023 season. Uh, Basically these advertisements will be bigger than the current NBA advertisements as the NBA Jersey advertisements are two and a half by two and a half inches. Uh, These advertisements will be three inches, three by three and a half inches. I assume they'll probably be uh, maybe on the lower portion of the jersey where the stripes usually are because uh, they have to fit basically a three-inch by three-and-a-half-inch rectangle is what it says here. And the NHL, they did start helmet advertisements last year, so things have been trending in this direction for quite some time. So it's not really much of a shock that the uh, board of governors approved this. Uh, But, you know, I, I kind of wonder if maybe players get a certain portion, the money that they're getting that, that the, uh, you know, that the, that the franchise is probably making off of these advertisements. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you think, Lou, that players could at least have could could at least get some portion of uh, of the money that's probably going to be made from having these advertisements put on their jerseys? I would have thought so. Well, so the NHL is really trying to cash in. I mean, I, I, it so kind of makes sense when you think about it because. See, but yeah, you know the NBA. They started it in 2017, and you've mm-hmm. seen the uh, the influx of money that they've gotten because of this. 
because uh, because exactly. they started with the advertisements. So it kind of makes sense that the NHL would eventually follow suit, especially yeah. considering in regard in regards to the NHL jerseys, NHL jerseys have more room as opposed to NBA jerseys. Yes. Now the uh, yeah, just one thing I wanted to mention um, before you go, you know, with TNT, you know, I think like TNT is getting really into the sports business now because you know they have the NBA, uh, they have um, AEW, they're going to do the hockey and everything, and and well, it's, it's like TNT is really trying to make a killing in the sports business. Yeah, it, you know, I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing about this is the fact that. Uh, you know, Turner probably realized that uh, the amount of money that they could get yeah. from getting into from getting into sports. You know, considering they already get the ratings with uh, with the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, obviously with uh, with uh, NBC holding the rights the past however many years to hockey, uh, many. Uh, I guarantee you a lot of a lot of networks saw the numbers that NBC was getting uh with their ratings at least in the early years of the uh of the right. deal. And right. you know considering Tur- I mean it's it's pretty big when you think about it that Turner went back into professional wrestling this uh the past couple of years considering he hadn't had uh, wrestling on any of his networks since WCW, since uh, ever since WCW got bought out, and I believe they did have WWE for or WWF, I should I should say for a certain amount of time before WWF ended up moving over yes. to USA Network. Yes, they did, and they also have football. You know, they also have NFL football. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but you know, I think the big thing is Turner probably looked at the probably looked at the current landscape when it comes mm. to TV deals, and he's pro- he probably realized how much money he's missing out on by only having just the NBA. You know, now that he's uh, and also they had Major League Baseball as well, but only a select few games usually during the uh, during the playoffs. But now that now that he's officially moved on to hockey, I mean hockey is very profitable when it comes to the uh, the TV contracts. And yes. considering considering that they got e, uh, that ESPN dove in, you know Turner's probably looking at looking at ESPN and saying, well, well, shit, if they think it's good, if they think it's good enough to. Uh, you know, to get invested into the into the hockey business, I should probably do the same thing. I'm surprised CBS didn't think of doing it though. Yeah, you, you know, though CBS is more of is more of basketball and and football as opposed to hockey. Because keep in mind, you, you know, basketball. usually when hockey, you well, yeah, college basketball—that's what I meant. Uh, usually, you know, when hockey's going on, they they usually have college basketball uh, currently yes. uh, 
you know, going on, which would be kind of a conflict of interest. So, right. But, you know, ABC is on that same problem because they got the NBA shows. Isn't it going to pose a conflict of interest to that as well? Yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of, I think, I think that's kind of why NBC or, or not, not NBC, ABC, never mind. I got it mixed up. Uh, ABC, yeah, right. they do have, uh, they do have certain games in particular. Uh, so maybe it's the fact that when you take a look at lineups, you know, CBS, I mean, yeah, they have football and uh, they do, uh, they are home of the, uh, of March Madness, but a lot of their lineups are basically drama series, essentially. So I'm good for the duration. I think it's, huh? Oh, you'll be here for the duration. Yeah, I just got no from Taylor. He's he's not doing so great. Ah, okay. Well, that's great. Well, well, obviously that's not that's not great to hear that he's not feeling good. But uh, it's great to hear that. I don't, be I don't here for the duration. But it's great that I'm gonna be here. So I'm good. I'm good. Let's just hope we can hold out until midnight before we get completely again. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I mean, like I said, it went well last night. It worked last night. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it works. It works tonight. Um, but you know, when it, when it comes to ABC, you know, ABC, I believe they have more time slots open as opposed to CBS. So, ah. you know, with CBS, when you think about it, CBS, they have a lot of their prime time stuff. They have Survivor. They got Big Brother. Uh, well, Big Brother wouldn't be during hockey season, anyways. But they got yeah. Survivor. You know, Survivor would all if, – if they were to take on the hockey contract, they would have to make sure that any games that they would show would not be on Wednesdays because oh, right, obviously right. Survivor, Survivor obviously dominates that, dominates that night for the most part. So, right. you know, unless, unless they were un, – unless they were to do, you know, some Western – uh, some some Western Conference games maybe where the games would be later on at night, uh, but mostly mostly from my understanding, it, it seems like CBS values themselves as more of a reality show drama series type of network. Yeah, so is ABC. So where? Yeah, but ABC does still sort of branch out though. Considering they have, they also have football. Uh, they do some basketball games, some hockey games. You know, they still they're able to basically maneuver uh, and switch around their schedule because they don't have certain. How should I put this? They don't have right. certain shows that do, they don't have certain shows that dominate a specific night, basically. Right, like they could, like they could switch their show. They could switch their shows around, and they would still probably, uh, they would still probably do very well on on certain nights. Like, uh, like when you think about it, CBS, for example, they uh, Big Brother does real well on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and Thursday nights. Uh, Survivor. They do. They're they're the king of Wednesday nights, basically. Whenever Survivor is on instead of Big Brother, 
they got right. that tough as nails. They got that tough as nails show. They got oh, yeah, Love yeah. Island. You know, there's still. It, it, it seems kind of cluttered, and plus they got NCIS as well. You know, they got NCIS, yeah. NCIS Los Angeles. Uh, they're going to get the CSI reboot. That's uh, or thank not God. reboot, but the spinoff. Yeah, I uh, actually going a little bit off topic for a second here. I actually I love my, my that uh, CSI is coming back. Uh, I actually love that CSI is coming back in particular with yeah. uh, with some of the uh, with some of the, the the two main stars basically of the of the original show uh, with um, Gil Grissom and Sarah Seidel returning uh, as. As their yeah. characters, basically. Georgia Fox. Yeah, Georgia Fox and uh, mm-hmm. William Peterson, oh, yeah. I think, is his name. William Peterson, yes. Yeah. Joel Grissom. That's what I thought. Yeah. So I am very excited that that is returning. I don't know when exactly, but I do know it's on the. It, it is a part of the lineup uh, that they have Thank planned God. for the fall. So, uh, but yeah, you know. When you have show, when you have a, uh, a certain lineup, and you have shows like that, uh, there's not really that much room for CBS to put in, right. you know, hockey games because I mean it's different when you have when you have uh, NFL games. It's like oh okay, you have. Uh, sometimes two specific times per per week. Yes, which is basically every every Sunday, uh, and in some cases Saturdays during the playoffs. Uh, for March Madness, you know, obviously you have a certain time frame uh, when it when it comes to March Madness. But when it when it comes to the NHL, you know, you would basically have a couple of games per week, basically, and that would kind of screw up their. Uh, that would kind of screw up CBS's schedule as a whole. It screw up my schedule too. Yeah. So, I kind of see why why maybe CBS wasn't wasn't really that interested in going for it. Yeah. Well, it's not 1980 anymore, is it? Mm. No. Unfortunately, not. For those of you who are too young to recall that, uh, I'll explain. That was the last time CBS actually aired a hockey game. For those of you who are under the age of 50, like me. I am over, I'm <laughs> actually 51, so. Just a little history lesson, boys and girls. You know, CBS has become known mainly for, for, their, uh, for their football coverage anyways. Right. In recent the years, of, and uh, well, I was going to say since the days and, of you know uh, of Madden and Summerall. Yeah, yeah, and ESPN. If anything, ESPN and uh, and also TSN up in Canada have been mainly known right. as the the primary the primary sources for hockey. Uh, oh, in yes. recent decades, anyways. So. You know, it wouldn't really make sense to put it on. I mean, granted, CBS does have a pretty big, uh, a pretty big uh, 
subscriber count, a pretty big following basically, but you know, they probably just weren't willing to give up the amount of money that the leagues were looking for. Well, that, that the league then. was looking for. But uh, we do have news uh, coming from the Arizona Coyotes. Apparently, the city of yep. Glendale, Arizona, has told the Coyotes that they will opt out of their joint lease agreement for Gila River Arena, which is now set to end on June 30th, 2022. So basically next, yeah. next June. At the end of next June, the Coyotes are basically going to have to either find a new, uh, either find a new place or – we may see another expansion team, uh, or not expansion, but we may see a relocation, basically, for the Coyotes. Well, I um, heard from the well, the, the team president said that uh, that they do intend to stay in Arizona. I wrote down my my uh, after notes. Oh, okay, so it's a, that, that would basically just mean that they have to they have to find another arena, essentially, yeah. or have one built. It says that, here that, that, they well, that was an intention, you know. Yeah. I mean, we don't can't we can't says, say for sure, but the intention is to stay there. Yeah, but it it says here that they had been maintaining the lease on a yearly basis, uh, and either side had the option to to opt out, provided that notice was provided uh, before December thirty first. The two sides had been negotiating a, a lease Happy extension as well as as well as renovations for the arena, but those talks have been stalled for months, which basically led yeah. to the city's decision. Uh, basically, they said that they've reached the point of no return in the negotiations, according to city manager Kevin Phelps. Uh, and he said there's no wavering on this decision. Uh, that being right. said, oh, it boy. says here, though, that the Coyotes are still open to restarting negotiations. Uh, so maybe it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to have to find a different arena to play in. Yeah, um, but they won't. But they won't give me any leeway. So how are they going to play in that arena when they won't renew the contract? Well, it currently expired. It, I mean, it's not like the contract has expired yet. It's just, it's set to end on June thirtieth of next year, basically. So they can get a full right. season in. It's just that you know if they can't come to terms on a new deal, they're not going to, you know, they're they're not going to basically. They're not going to basically start for more seasons right. at that arena. And um, this would also I, allow. I, Let me think. Let me let me think of it. Um, does Phoenix still have that minor league team, uh, the Roadrunners? Uh, let me look real quick. I know the Coyotes, the Roadrunners. I know. I think it's in two. Yeah, Tucson, the Tucson Roadrunners. Right, so I thought maybe they would try to, you know, share that arena, or is that is that not possible? I mean, maybe they could, but it would, you know, they would basically. I think I think doesn't San Jose share their arena with the uh, Barracudas? Or no, 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 they don't. Uh, they have, I don't know. 
They have they have two separate arenas. One, uh, yes. they have two separate arenas that share the same parking lot. So, you know, that's. I mean, I guess maybe they could potentially share. They could. That's what I was thinking. I just don't know though because yeah, you know that that would it would basically create a a log jam basically when it comes to uh, to potential dates. Like, yeah, I get it. It, it, it. It's kind of it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the Rams and the Chargers sharing. Uh, right, we don't want that sharing, again. Sharing, yeah, sharing the stadium in L.A. for their first uh, for their first year. Uh huh. I just thought uh, something. They have, have the. I just thought Phoenix has the Rubbermans and the Coyotes. Oh boy. Go figure that one out. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, Me meet. Yeah. Uh, we do have still, another title. We we do have another title change uh, here, and I uh-huh. I called this last week. I said this last week, Lou, when you weren't on the air, uh, oh. that the Raw Women's Championship would be a transitional. the The Raw Women's Champion would only be having a transitional reign. That her run would basically last just one, uh, just one title defense, and that would be it. And that's basically what we've got here. As Charlotte one. Flair, Charlotte Flair, the daughter of Ric Flair, is now a. Ooh. Let's see if I got this right. A twelve-time women's champion on the main roster. Uh, if you combine her, if you combine her championships with with her time in NXT. She's technically a 14-time champion, so she's only two championships behind her father, tying uh, behind tying her father for the most championships won by a Flair. I don't think I want to mess with the daughter of Ric Flair. No, because she no. You know, I, I I've said I've said that WWE was missing star power. But Charlotte, yes. it, uh, Charlotte has been basically the top, the top women's wrestler in that company for. Uh, let's see, when did she debut? Yeah. She debuted, she debuted. I believe it was well. Basically, let me put it this way: ever since she got called up to the main roster in 2015, she has basically dominated the women's divisions in in WWE ever since. And now she adds another championship onto her already impressive resume and Hall of Fame resume as it is. Uh, and I mean, you can't—you you would kind of have to expect that coming from the daughter of Ric Flair. So, yes. But she's now a—I want to—I want to say it's—it's it's either a twelve-time or a. I think, it, I think it is a 12 time. Let's see if they've updated this yet. Nope, they still haven't updated it. So, well, what are you waiting for? In great invitation? It probably. Well, it's because, it's because it literally just happened. So they must be uh, okay, very okay. slow. They must be very slow when it comes to uh, when it comes to updating Wikipedia. But 
it should read Obviously. that she is a she is a twelve time champion uh on the main roster. Fourteen if you count NXT. Uh I don't. But on to the uh you know, back to the NHL, you know, uh Obviously, with Arizona having both uh, the Coyotes and the Roadrunners, yeah, it is a. Uh, I, I see. I see what they were going with there with the uh, with the names. Um, yeah. I would assume. I couldn't resist. I would. I would assume though that the Coyotes, you know, they could be a candidate for uh, for relocation. I mean, it's not I, like they're going to be. Funny. You know, it's it, it, all they would really have to do is, uh, you know, obviously secure a new arena and, you know, start up the advertising. But it's not like they would have to do all of that other stuff that other expansion teams have to do, like Vegas and Seattle. Uh, less of a headache for for the uh, the NHL compared to having to go through an expansion draft or something. Uh, so if the Coyotes do have to leave Arizona. There are a couple of options on the table. I mean, they can always potentially uh, move to Quebec, you know, maybe bring back the Quebec Nordiques. Uh, Oh yeah. I would, I would say potentially uh, go. Maybe. Oh, maybe. That's crazy. Well, when you think about it, when you think about it, going a little bit a little bit off the book here, when you think about it, Ted Turner, keep in mind his his uh, he he runs primarily out of Atlanta, right? And if you recall, when when the Atlanta Thrashers left Atlanta, that yes. pissed off so many people there. I didn't think it did because they didn't really have much of a good following. I mean, they were horrible to begin with. And I didn't really think they had much of a fan base. I mean, the Atlanta, the, um, Atlanta Flames had a better fan base than the Thrashers. Well, I mean, you know, maybe they didn't have the necessary attendance, but yeah, they I mean. did have a pretty they did have a pretty rabid fan base, though. Huh. More than I thought. I just thought they were like on the loan of the, the loan of the totem pole with that. So it is entirely possible that they could yeah, potentially move over to Atlanta. I mean, they still, I believe they still have uh Phillips, Phillips arena could probably, uh, wasn't that the home of the thrashers or was it a different arena? Mm, I think it was a different arena. It's been a while since we've, you know, heard uh, playing in Atlanta, so it, it might have been a different um, room altogether, but uh, the same general area. Yeah, you know, but, I mean, Phillips Arena—they already do Hawks games as it is, so they could they could possibly uh, renovate that to uh, uh, to be able to uh, house hockey games as well. Yes, I mean it would basically be just like any other. Uh, any other arena that shares uh, that shares teams like the TD Garden, for example, or uh, or up in Toronto with the Raptors and the uh, and the Maple Garden, Leafs. You mean Boston? Yeah, yeah, in Boston. Yeah, I'll be sure to see your cousin there too. Yeah, so 
you know, it's it's enti- it's entirely po- it's entirely possible that maybe perhaps Atlanta could be an option. Well, I was thinking, you know, thinking a little bit logically on, on that part. You know, I I don't know if it's going to be true or not, but I was just thinking, hmm, what about Atlanta? Since you know uh, Turner's getting the sports business and whatnot, you know, maybe they could use a team. So I'm just thinking that, you know, thinking that, you know, in a logical sense, I don't know if it'll come true or not, but hey. It's entirely possible. Uh, Other news in the NHL, uh, we did officially have the retirement of Henrik Lundqvist this week. Yes, yuck. Uh, Well, Lundqvist, well, what? You know, when you think about, you know, I mean, a great career, but, you know, he was suffering from a lot of injuries and even had open heart surgery. So as much as I hate to see a great player like him go, I think it is the right decision. Am I happy about it? Uh, no, of course. But I get the reason for it. Yeah. No, it definitely was the right decision. Uh, just yeah. based off of I heard that I heard that he had some complications apparently uh, yep. following, you know, during his recovery, uh, considering mm-hmm. that he missed all of this season. Uh, and, you know, he's still been in recovery, and he's had some complications, supposedly, that had uh, caused a couple of setbacks. And, I mean, it kind of makes sense. You know, he was with – yes, he was with the Capitals. But, you know, he probably – if he did return to play, he probably wasn't going to see any real amount of playing time, considering the fact mm-hmm. that – uh, you know, considering the fact that they left their, they they basically uh, have their goaltending tandem, uh, a young goaltending tandem, right, with uh, you know, with Vanacek and whatnot. So I, I I'm I'm not real. I can't say I'm really that surprised that he ended up retiring because even if he did come back, he wasn't really going to, I I doubt that he would probably play that much. No, he said he was on complications during my work, uh, workouts. Well, not exactly complications, but, um, you know, got certain uh, problems that he wouldn't be able to handle with the workouts with that. So that was another reason why he was uh, uh, retiring. Yeah, it actually says here that he initially hoped to play this upcoming season, uh, but yeah. his ongoing recovery from open heart surgery prevented that. He started working out and skating, but he he then started experiencing chest pains. It says here, That's uh, and he was thing, told yeah. he was told that it could be another year before he was a hundred percent. So. He was basically like, how how badly do I want to push it? How much of a gamble do I want to take? You know, and he basically came to the conclusion that there were too many unknowns and too much risk for not enough reward for him to keep playing. Right. Which makes sense. You know, it does. Even if he does. Even if he does keep playing, I mean, there's always the potential uh, possibility that maybe, you know, something ends up going wrong and, you know, he ends up having to be out for even longer. And basically, you know, he, he, he just had open heart surgery. You don't want him 
to do anything strenuous that could potentially affect the rest of his life. I think, you know, being that essentially he'd be, you know, like exhausted from, you know, with the work and stuff, maybe it's time that he did. I mean, your heart is saying one thing, but your body is saying something else. And when your body says, well, time's up, then, hey, that's it. Yeah. Essential, essentially, the human body you know, it's so much. And when an athlete reaches about, oh, say the mid thirties, well, that's when you know you're slowing down a bit, and you know how much you can take because, you know, as much as you enjoy the game or anything, your body takes a lot of abuse, and you know, you gotta wonder, well, how much more I got left in me, you know, um, you know, do I got like a, I mean, got, like a good like a two or three years left, five years, how much time I got left before I got to hang it up? Well, when you think about it, he would have been, he would have been near 41 years old. He's 39 right now. He would have been nearly 41 years old before he could officially play at a hundred percent again. And when you think about it, most goaltenders don't really make it this far like he did. Yeah. So sure, I mean, granted, Granted, he didn't get the opportunity to hoist the Stanley Cup, but at least he's going out on his own terms as opposed to, you know, having an injury, basically. I, I guess you could kind of uh, put it in the, in this category where an injury is technically forcing him into retirement, but... Then again, you know, not really, I guess, because, I mean, yeah, he, he was recovering from open heart surgery, but it's still his decision, you know, to, to hang it up instead of, instead of other people telling him, you know, I think it's time, I think it's time for you to hang it up. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, he does you know, some, some don't want to do it, but some don't. Yeah. So it's it's best for him to call to call it quits now while he still has the opportunity to do so, basically. But he does yeah. finish his career with a uh, a four fifty nine, three ten, and ninety six record, uh, with a career goals against average of two point four three and a save percentage of ninety one point eight percent in eight hundred and eighty seven games, all played with the New York Rangers. Uh, he was the Vesna Trophy winner back in 2012, and the very next year he was the runner-up to the Vesna Trophy. Uh, yeah, to to win the Vesna Trophy. Uh, I would say he probably has a Hall of Fame. He's probably played a Hall of Fame career. Um, oh, no question. I would expect. No I would expect that he's probably going to get a call. At some point, I don't know if it will be first ballot, but uh, I know he, he's definitely going to get a call at some point. Second ballot. I wonder if Second. maybe, uh, yeah, I wonder if maybe the only thing preventing him from being a first ballot is is the lack of a Stanley Cup. Maybe I was going to say that. So, you know, I, I guess it's entirely possible. Maybe. He does get first ballot, but I would see. I agree with you. I think he would be probably more of a second ballot, potentially uh, Hall of Famer. But you know, that's. I have a feeling there's probably going to be a, 
a bunch more names. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the next goaltender we're talking about potentially is Tuka Rask. With the uh, sure, sure. apparently the apparently the problem he's having with his uh, uh, with his torn labrum. You know, there's talks that he's probably going to yeah. sit out the entire season this upcoming year, potentially. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously with the Bruins moving on with, uh, with Linus Olmark and, uh, and Jeremy Swayman, you know, Tuca has said that there's only two team there, there's only one team that he would play for in the NHL and that's the Bruins. And right. if he couldn't play for the Bruins, then he would go back to play, uh, overseas, sort of like what Krejci has done this year, uh, this off season. So, you know, I, I guess we'll see if maybe perhaps maybe perhaps Tuca has played his last game in the NHL. And who knows? We could be talking about Tuca Rask next as the uh, next goaltender set to retire. But uh, for now, you know, like I, said, like I said earlier, we don't really see longevity when it comes to goaltending. In the NHL, no, There's we don't. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, the longevity is is with you know the obviously the other players, the uh, uh, the offense and the defense. It's usually with goaltending. Uh, it's there's usually some sort of some sort of limit, basically. Right. Well, what about? But then again, how about Patrick Waugh? Uh, you know that is a good question. Uh, I, I do not know. I do not know when he retired. I know he's fifty-five right now. Wow, uh, I I he retired. Yeah, let's see. He retired in two thousand three, so he was yeah. thirty-eight. He was thirty-eight when he retired. So, okay. you know, I, I, that kind of makes sense. Usually you see goaltenders. Oh, yeah, Brodeur. I think Brodeur actually lasted until he was 40, I think. Yes. yes. You know, Brodeur, his, his, uh, his longevity was around around this time that, uh, you know, that we're seeing right now with, with Lundqvist. So, it made more sense for Brodeur. Let's see. Yeah, he retired, retired back in 2015. So he would have been about 43, actually. He retired at 43. So that is, you know, there there are certain exceptions. Yeah. But... You know, I think Lunkovic probably figured, you know, I'm probably, if I do return, I'm probably not going to be able to compete at a high level. So, uh-huh. you know, does it really make sense for me to return uh, and risk, you know, risk potential injury or yeah. making my condition worse? Or do I go out now while I have the chance to do so, basically? I think you want to take that option because you don't want to see yourself in agony where you're like, 
no, I can't even stand up anymore. You know, that, that, nothing's worth that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there is one potential other retirement that we could be talking about, and it is with oh. Zdeno Chara. Uh, it says here that if Zdeno Chara does decide to extend his career, uh, it's expected that he will sign with an Eastern Conference team. Uh, as it will allow Chara to stay closer to his family, who I believe currently lives in Boston. Um, that said, Chara hasn't confirmed whether or not he will play again. And at the age of 44, and him being a defenseman, not to mention the fact that he's considerably slowed in recent years, yeah. Kind of thinking that maybe perhaps this might be the end of the line for uh, probably the greatest big defenseman uh, in NHL history. Yeah. Uh, some other NHL news. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, they officially re-signed Adam Ernie to a uh, two-year $4.2 million contract. Uh, he scored 11 goals and 20 points in 45 games this year uh, with the Red Wings. The Red Wings also, I believe, uh, put Franz Nielsen. Actually, yeah, they bought, they bought out Franz Nielsen's contract. Uh, Nielsen only had a goal and six points in 29 games this past season. Uh, they had signed him to a six-year deal worth about $31.5 million back in July of 2016. Uh, he would have come with a five-and-a-quarter million cap hit this year, but instead uh, the Red Wings will have four-and-a-quarter million in dead space to reduce their burden by $1 million due to the buyout. Uh, however, this will also count for half a million against the cap uh, in 2022-2023 as a result of this buyout as well. Uh, some other bits of news around the league. Uh, Nash- Na- the Nashville Predators goaltender Juice Soros uh, signed a four-year $20 million contract, uh, obviously worth about five mil per year. Uh, Saros avoided arbitration with this signing. Uh, he's getting a big pay raise from his previous three-year, $4.5 million contract. Uh, he posted a 21-11-1 record this year with a 2.28 goals against average and a 92.7 save percentage in 38 games. Uh, and he ended up finishing in sixth place in Vezina Trophy voting. So I think needless to say, uh, Nashville has found their quarterback, or not quarterback, their uh, their goaltender of the present uh, when it comes to Saros. So it makes sense, considering uh, his stat line, uh, to extend him for as much as they did with this. Also, uh, Jason Dickinson has reportedly signed a three-year, $7.95 million contract with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Getting a pay raise from his previous two-year, $3 million deal that he had, I believe, with Dallas last season. Uh, He scored seven goals and 15 points last season in 51 games. 
And it looks like he'll probably be an unrestricted free agent, I believe, after this contract is up. Because I believe he's he's yeah. either 23 or 24, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Fiala, he signed a one-year $5.1 million deal with the Minnesota Wild, uh, basically basically avoiding arbitration as he had previously filed for arbitration, putting in a request for six and a quarter million, uh, which the wild countered with 4 million. And eventually the two sides ended up settling in the middle at 5.1. Fiala scored 20 goals and 40 points in 50 games last season for the wild. And he will be a restricted free agent once again, next off season. Uh, Nikita Zadorov, he signed a one-year, three-point or three and three-quarter million contract extension uh, with the Calgary Flames. He scored a goal and eight points in 55 games while averaging 19 minutes and 12 seconds last season. Uh, he was also credited with 74 blocks and 190 hits. Um, and he was another one who had applied for salary arbitration, but obviously that is avoided uh, with the agreement to this new contract. Right. Uh, Some MLB news. The Red Sox have released infielder slash outfielder Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, He officially cleared waivers, I believe, as well. Yes. So he is now free to sign with any other club. So he will probably land a bench job somewhere around the league. Uh, let's see. There is a – ooh, actually, you know what? I'll get to two things here because there is an update on the luxury tax threshold. Uh, but oh, yeah. this first one here uh, involves Trevor Bauer. A According to a, uh, according to a judge, a uh, – L.A. Superior Court Judge Diana Gould-Saltman issued a ruling earlier this week that that denied a long-term restraining order to the woman who has accused Bauer of sexual assault. Uh, Bauer did not testify at this week's hearing, instead invoking his Fifth Amendment rights. Uh, He's still the subject of an ongoing criminal investigation and of an investigation under Major League Baseball's Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy. Uh, He is currently on – I think he is still on paid administrative leave, I think. Um, Biology. And he he probably will be as long as those investigations are still ongoing. Ah. It says here there are several key points to be emphasized with regard to where things currently stand at the present. Uh, As previously noted, he is still the subject of multiple investigations. Today's ruling was neither a declaration of Bauer's innocence nor guilt with regard to the the woman's allegations. Rather, it was a ruling from the court that Bauer does not pose a continued threat to the alleged victim. Similarly, the determination that the accuser does not require long-term protection against Bauer is not legally reflective of his guilt or innocence. Uh, The alleged victim and the district attorney can still bring forth uh, charges pursuant to Bauer's purported actions, it says here. 
Uh, it says, just as the absence of a restraining order does not preclude cr- criminal charges, the ruling also does not preclude a potential suspension from Commissioner Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball. As their sexual assault policy gives Manfred the power to implement a suspension even in the absence of criminal charges, uh, as seen on numerous occasions where domestic violence charges were dropped by the alleged victims. Uh, It's also unclear whether newly surfaced allegations from a woman in Ohio that date all the way back to last summer will be factored into the league's decision or not on any punitive measures against Bauer. Um, let's see, as far as an update goes, yeah, it, it, it does say uh, here, actually, his administrative leave has been extended through August 27th, so that would be next oh, Friday. Lord. And considering how long he's been on, he's been on there at this point, it, it, he's probably done for the whole year, more than likely. So I think that does this... I think this kind of explains, Lou, why they why they went after players like Max Scherzer and also yeah. uh, Cole Hamels, which actually Cole Hamels uh, he is now out for the season with his shoulder injury. Oh boy! As apparently. Uh, he felt shoulder pain during a recent simulated game, according to John Heyman of MLB Network. Uh, they had just signed him too. Game, oh boy! Yeah, they had just signed him as well, uh, not not too long ago. So uh, he was placed. He was placed on the sixty-day uh, injured list, ending his season, and they selected the contract of veteran reliever. Nef- Neftali Feliz in order to uh in order to take his spot on the forty man roster. Uh let's see here. And yeah, it basically it's gonna keep him from taking the mound this year. Uh doesn't look like I mean he's he's gonna be thirty seven or he is thirty seven years old right now. You kinda mm. have to wonder if maybe Hamill's is potentially done with baseball. Yeah, I think my considering this out. will be considering this will be what two years I think. Uh, once he officially returns, it'll be nearly two years since he's played since he's played in a major league game. Yeah, I think it'll be time to hang him up. He can't, you know, sit out forever like you know. I think you're gonna get back in. So I think it's safe to say he is done. I mean, it would be different if it was uh, like Chris Sale, you know, who just returned from Tommy John surgery after missing about a year and a half to two years. Uh, And now Chris Sale seems to be back to the – or close to being back to the player that he once was for the Red Sox. Um, You know, it's different when you're you're at a younger age. But when you're at 37 and you're, you know, he's probably going to be – He's probably going to be 38 by the time next season rolls around. You know, you you have to wonder how much how much left will he have in the tank of actual meaningful years meaningful innings. Three years tops. And 
and that's even if he can stay on the field. Because when you think about it, when you have a setback like he did, like he did here, I mean it's it's not really good when you when you can't when you can't stay healthy at this current age. No. Uh, now, in regards to the luxury tax threshold, uh, apparently Major League Baseball has thrown a proposal out to the uh, to the Players Association, uh, which has included a lower threshold for taxes on team spending, with teams subject to a 25% tax on any spending above $180 million. And it says here there would be three additional tax brackets at some point above that mark for a total of four tax brackets, with the tax rate increasing as teams hit those higher overage levels. As a trade-off, MLB proposed that teams be subject to a $100 million salary minimum, uh, which basically means that the days of the Tampa Bay Rays uh, trying to save as much money as possible while expecting uh, while expecting top notch uh, playing, you know those days are basically over under this uh, under this proposal here. Now it does not say though whether or not uh, it's been agreed upon. It says here for for just a, as a comparison here. Uh, the current CBA contains three tiers of luxury tax penalization. For for this season, the first tier begins at 210 million and contains a 20% tax on overages through 230 million. There's a 32% tax on overages between 230 and 250 million, and a and a 62.5% tax on any payments beyond 250 million. Uh, so from what it sounds like, it sounds like this new proposal would, would be a bit of an upgrade compared to what they currently have here. So, you know, with the luxury tax being an obvious deterrent, uh, to spending for most high payroll teams, you would kind of think that maybe perhaps the uh maybe perhaps the tension would be eased a little bit on uh on teams now if they wanted to sort of if they wanted to spend under this new proposed tax right, what what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on this lou do you think that do you think this is good for uh for major league baseball in regards to uh maybe teams have a little bit more leeway now Without having to well, worry about the tax, uh, about the luxury tax, that could be that could be beneficial to the teams. I mean, if they're under payroll, because luxury tax, you know, that adds up, you know, you know, with the payrolls and stuff. So I think if that's a little bit more ease, I think it's going to be the, uh, beneficial to Major League Baseball, especially you know with the because uh, I think it's one of the issues that's dealing with the uh, collective bitching agreement. I mean, a collective bargaining yeah. agreement. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's not collective bargaining. It's kind of it's collective bitching because before you sell on an agreement, you're just kind of bitching more about everything. Yeah, because when you when you think about it, you look at uh, 
you look at the at the luxury tax teams this year. You got the Padres, the Yankees, the yeah. Phillies, the Red Sox, and the Astros all hovering around that 210 million lowest threshold. And I mean, you saw some teams that were willing to make that were willing to make moves to improve their rosters, even though that would right. po- possibly mean it would possibly mean them having to go into the tax. But you take a look at you take a look at the Red Sox, for example. I mean, they got Kyle yeah. Schwarber, but they were still they were still able to to stay under the luxury tax. Right. The reason why you know the uh, the Red Sox they've had they've drawn a lot of criticism and they've come under heavy fire for okay right. you acquire Kyle Schwarber, but yet when it comes to the bullpen, you decide to go after low cost targets that basically have ERAs of like five or six uh, of, of like a five or six ERA basically essentially minor leaguers uh, that are playing at, at the major league level you know and it's drawn a lot of criticism however with this new yeah. with this new luxury tax threshold that that has been uh, that has been proposed here maybe perhaps you know, you may not see some of those potential moves uh, be done again. You know, maybe perhaps this will this will uh, help teams, you know, decide to pull that trigger and maybe go after an extra player or two without really worrying about. I mean, yeah, they're going to have to probably pay percent, as it says, but they won't have to worry about you know, it raising substantially higher the further you go. Yeah, that's the last thing I think baseball needs. Uh, let me bring in, I believe we have JB joining us. Uh, JB, it's been a long hey. time since we've heard you, man. Welcome back. I know it. I know it. I've been meaning to, you know, call in just to even say hi and uh, I've been sleeping past my, uh, alarm. <laughs> so I'm doing all right. I've done that. And by the way, I forgot to bring this up. I meant to bring this up at the top of the show, but obviously what happened last night ended up, uh, taking my mind off it for some reason. Uh, <laughs> in sports whispers, JB, obviously you were the former host of the games gridiron. Um, we will be doing uh, a games gridiron, uh, basically, uh, thing this year hmm. for uh, football picks, essentially. And Lou, right. uh, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome, Lou, to uh, day and time to please, uh, join day in. And time. Well, no, we'll do basically. Basically, we'll do we'll do the picks on the podcast. Uh, I okay. talked this over with Jim and everything. I talked this over with Jim and everything, and uh, we'll do the picks on the podcast. And uh, basically, you're you're pretty much picking against the spread, basically. So, like, uh, right. who you think would win against the spread? Uh, and if you're interested, actually, uh, we have our we have our preseason picks that we're, that we do every year where basically we choose who we think is going to win the NCAA uh, 
who we think is going to win the national championship and who we think is going to win the Super Bowl uh, before the right. start of every season. So if you if you want, Lou, uh, we could probably get those picks right now, and I'll record them. Okay, good. Uh, and we'll do basically you'll be you'll be inserted into our into our uh, our standings for every week. Um, right. And we'll do we'll do the picks basically. Uh, basically right on the vibe on the air here well hopefully if i'll be you know on with when that happens because you know at 10 o'clock to 11 is usually you know when i have the uh, other business so i'll do what i can yeah well we can we can obviously uh you know when we do the picks we will we'll obviously uh start off every every show uh with the pick Good idea right so Thanks, uh you know what why don't we get your uh, your preseason picks uh, here? Who who do you have winning the national title this year? Huh. Well, it's, that's that's really a, that's really a tough one. But you know, as I'm trying to you know scour uh, you know all the uh, with all the picks and everything, with everything, it's really it's really a tough decision. But I kind of think maybe. Um, well, this is going to come as a bit maybe with a stretch, but I'm thinking maybe the Titans. The Titans? That's what I said. Titans. Oh, I'm, ta- I'm, ta- okay. I'm talking. Uh, NC- I'm talking NCAA first. Oh, I'm sorry, NCAA. I'm sorry. Well, but I'll put I'll, I'll, I'll put the like Titans a, down for the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, I hate to sound like a, you know like everybody else, but I think everybody is taking Alabama. So. I think in this case, I'm going to have to go to the majority of the crowd and say Alabama one more time. All right, Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, I will get those uh, marked down. And basically, so basically every week we'll do, uh, you know, I'll, get, I'll, I'll start off every single uh, podcast with a, li- uh, a rundown of all the games for the week, including the, uh, including the spread. And usually what we end up doing is uh, we'll take six games, six games that, uh, well, obviously, you know, we don't do, uh, we don't do the show on Thursday night. So, uh, right. you know, thir- Thursday nights would be out of the question unless, unless you text me earlier, uh, earlier in the week, if you text me, uh, well, uh, you know, Thursday you have... I'm involved with my, with my network, so uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, work so well. Oh no, no, I just I just mean like if you if you were to text me like say before your show, text me with who you think oh. will win Thursday night's game. If you want to select Thursday night's, uh, if you want to select Thursday night's game that week, for example. Okay, I can do that Wednesday. Okay, and. Basically, I'll let because uh, I I'm hosting along with uh, along with Tim, so I'll let Tim know uh, that you have uh, Thursday night as one of the uh, if you choose to pick a team that's playing on Thursday night, uh, I'll have him lock that down as one of your as one of your picks. Um, but then, obviously, you know, uh, every Saturday night we'll get your picks. That usually, what we do is we do. I think it's six, if I recall correctly, it's six picks, and then you pick the Monday night game for a total of seven. Okay. 
So that's how we'll do it basically every uh, every week. Um, obviously, uh, you know, leading up until uh, we we even we even extend it into the playoffs too, depending on where uh, on where people are. And we have uh, we do the uh, uh, the bowl bonanza as we call it, which is basically all of the uh, you know all of the championship games like the. Uh, Right, like the uh, Citrus Bowl and whatnot, all the bowl games, basically. Right. Even though that most of them are meaningless. Yeah. But still, you know, uh, believe it or not, there are uh, – and JB can even tell you this, too. You know, there's a lot of uh, bowl – when people select bowl games during yeah. the during the uh, game's gridiron – you may be you may be far down in the standings, but the bowl games we a lot of times we consider them to be the equalizer. Like sure. you could be so you could be so far out of the top three, but yet if you do well in the bowl games, you could potentially find yourself in the top three or close to the top three to where you're in striking yeah, range. Yep. So, but it should be it should if, be a good season this year. And uh, Lou, Lou, also, if you uh, let's say the Titans win the Super Bowl, uh, you would get three points. And if Alabama wins uh, the NCAA tournament, uh, you would get three points. Uh, you know, if if they win, so. That's something to right. consider yeah, too. Yeah, that's another thing too. The uh, the preseason so picks also count. You. Uh, you can con- you can contact me uh, through because I because I've texted you a couple of times. Yes, um, you have. Yeah, you could you could text me. Um, you could you could text me back like every week. I'll text you the uh, uh, the lineup. Of all the that features all the games, I'll give you the spread and everything, and uh, you can text me back. You can text me back the uh, the seven games that you would pick out of those. Okay, I'll do that. Or okay. the seven, or the seven the seven teams, I should say. Right. Um, but speaking of the NFL, uh, we do have quite a few. Obviously, the middle of the preseason here, uh, and. Obviously, maybe the biggest quarterback, uh, the biggest quarterback uh, matchup that we've had so far is Cam Newton against Mac Jones, like we talked right. about last week. And apparently, from what it sounds like, according to the Athletic, uh, Jeff Howe of the Athletic has said it would be a stunner if Cam Newton does not open the season this year as the starter, as Newton is currently on track to get the nod in week one, following his near flawless second preseason outing this past Thursday, uh, going eight of nine for 103 yards and one touchdown against the Eagles. After a couple of strong practices against Philly, Uh, Mac Jones has also had a, a strong summer uh, but Newton has gotten progressively better after a slow start to camp. And it says here, with Newton more likely to open up, up the year as a starter, 
it makes Damian Harris a more enticing second running back play in fantasy football with multiple touchdown upside in a run centric offense with Cam Newton under center. So, I mean, I got to say, granted it was against backup players this week, but this may have been Cam Newton's best game or so far best out. Well, yeah, best outing as a member of the uh, as a member of the New England Patriots. I mean, he had a near perfect quarterback rating this uh, this week, and actually, I mean, granted, yeah, it was it was preseason, and granted, it was against uh, Philadelphia's backups. Uh, but the Patriots steamrolled them 35 nothing. Uh, Cam Newton, his touchdown pass was to Jacoby Myers, which, believe it or not, you know, Jacoby Myers was one of New England's most reliable receivers last year. But that was his first touchdown catch since the preseason of 2019, back when they still had Tom Brady. Hmm. He just, for some reason, has not been able to has not been able to convert success in the preseason over to the regular season in terms of touchdowns. For some reason, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the stats go, Mac Jones uh, led the way once again uh, this week. Thirteen of nineteen. For 146 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Cam Newton, 8 of 9 for 103 yards with a touchdown. Uh, The New England run game, J.J. Taylor had 12 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson, the fourth-round pick out of Oklahoma, continued his dominance with 15 carries for 66 yards and two touchdown runs. Uh, Sony Michelle, whose job may potentially be in jeopardy here, he had seven carries for 34 yards uh, as part of the New England heavy run offense this week. Uh, as far as receivers go, they were led by Gunnar Olszewski, who had 57 yards on four catches. Jacoby Myers had 56 yards on three catches, including a touchdown catch. Uh, Sony Michelle four catches for 37 yards out of the backfield. Uh, Nikhil Harry had one catch for 19 yards before he ended up going down with an injury. Uh, Good news for New England fans is it looks like Harry will only, he will be out for at most four weeks uh, with his shoulder injury as he did end up leaving uh, he did end up leaving the game uh, with his arm in a sling uh, after he failed to make a catch and basically was unable to move on the, uh, on the field. Uh, it does say here that he will not be ready for week one and it could potentially sideline him longer uh, with Rappaport not ruling out the Patriots potentially stashing him on injured reserve for the first three weeks mm. of the season. And this couldn't have come at a worse time for him because he had requested a trade previously in July 
and he had been considered a standout at Patriots camp this uh, this uh, season, this off season. Uh, this injury and the extended absence make it extremely unlikely that he will be dealt before the start of the season here. Yeah. Uh, another injury, another injury coming out of that game as well. Uh, Eagles tight end Jason Kroom is feared to have suffered a season-ending injury uh, in the preseason game against the Patriots. It was a non-contact injury, uh, which basically spells the worst for his long-term outlook. So it looks like it looks like probably his remaining reps this preseason will probably go to Richard Rodgers, who is probably going to be looked at as the third tight end on the uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles roster because of this. Uh, this, though, this next story is a little concerning for Cowboys fans. I would be kind of worried, Lou. Uh, oh, Dak yeah. Prescott, Dak Prescott reportedly isn't fully back and may not be all season long, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Uh, He said it's not a report, but it's his take on the current situation surrounding Dak Prescott uh, as he suggests that Prescott's injuries could keep him at less than 100% for most of the season, Uh, even though his second MRI showed improvement in his shoulder strain uh, he was cleared to throw this week, but it has been limited in practice. And will sit – actually, he was sitting out today's preseason game. Yeah. However, Prescott has told NFL.com's Gil Brandt that he he does expect to be ready for week one. That's what I was going to say. He's expected to be ready. He's expecting to be ready, but at the same time, He's literally just been cleared. Yeah. You would kind of, wouldn't you kind of think that him having missed training camp all this time and missing pretty much a majority of the preseason, wouldn't that do more harm than it good probably would to his to his because you need because you need the um you know the, the training to to get in gear. So this is a bit of a concern. This is this yeah. is a this is a big problem. So, I mean, he said he's ready, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not so sure, especially for week one. Dealing with multiple injuries, not just the shoulder injury, but he still has his ankle Worse. problem as well. Yeah, I, JB, what are your me. thoughts? What do you? What are your thoughts on this, JB? Do you think uh, there's anything to be, there's anything to take away from Adam Schefter's uh, from Adam Schefter's report here, or his opinion, I should say, as he calls it? Do you think that maybe perhaps uh, Prescott could potentially miss significant time? I the the thing the thing with these. Uh, preseason games and I'm just gonna you know uh, oh how do you say I'm just I'm just gonna uh, you know evade evade the question and just say what I uh, feel about these preseason games is that they're just 
oh, how can you say it? They're just tune-up games. But at the same time, you want to get your, uh, you know, other players in there to do good so they can uh, get on the roster for the regular season. I understand yeah. that. And yeah. to me, I don't put any any weight at all on these wins and losses uh, on the uh, preseason games. Just well, like obviously, uh, it's all it's all just practice, basically. Right. Just just like when uh, the Bengals beat the uh, Buccaneers last week. It's like, yeah, you know, it was they they didn't have their uh, you know full team. You know, the full teams weren't playing against each other. It was just uh, you know, it was just the uh, you know other other guys that are fighting for uh, a spot on the team. And I never yeah, have I mean, put can, any. And I never have put have any weight on it, wins and losses. You kind of have to think about it, though. You know, this is this this is kind of like saying baseball. You know, you you don't want a pitcher to come in cold. You know, you don't right. want normally when a pitcher a pitcher has to warm up before he comes into a game. You don't want like say Dak Prescott claims he's going to be ready for Week One. Well, he literally just got cleared to start throwing this week. You know, he missed all of OTAs. He missed all of training camp. Uh, he missed most of the preseason. You know, he doesn't have the reps. I mean, it's it's a foregone conclusion that he is the number one quarterback anyways. But at the same time, you know, you don't know what kind of condition he's in. You don't know what kind of shape he's in, you know, whether or not he is in playing condition or if he's, uh, you know, if he's going to be rusty. So, I mean, this would have been... Get, get, and, and getting on uh, Dak Prescott, um, you know, I, I think that uh, he should have had a lot more, maybe not a lot more, at least a little bit more, uh, you know... Uh, Preseason. Uh, oh, what do you look? What What am I looking for? <laughs> he should He should have had more preparation, basically. Preparation he time. He Yeah, he should have. Uh, you know, he should have been. You know, training a little bit more, or. You know, whatever. Instead of just saying, "Well, you know, we think he's." You know, we think he's, uh, you know, this and that and the other thing. Uh, that might, you know, that might be true. Then again, who knows? Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, he if he claims he's going to be, a, he, he will be ready for week one. I almost wonder if they may just start him on the physically, he may, they may start him uh have him start the season on injured reserve because of the fact with the new rules that injured reserve, uh, you can start out with only three weeks 
on injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe this gives him a little bit more time to get ready. I mean, obviously the Cowboys, you know, they have a they have a backup plan. Uh, I believe they'll be starting probably Garrett Gilbert in his absence. So, you know, they have they have a plan to go with for. You know, yeah. I, I assume they're probably they're probably building their uh, their game plan right now for the for the new season uh, around their backup currently. So I mean, it's not right. like last season. It's not like last season where Prescott got injured in the middle of the season and the Cowboys had to completely yeah. reshape uh, their entire game plan. You know, on the fly. This time, you know they they know what they're they enter the preseason knowing what they knowing what uh, how they're going to uh, shape up their offense, and obviously, you know, once Prescott is able to return and and play, you know, at a high level, then they can go back to they can go back to the original game plan. But you know, right. when he says that he expects to be ready for week one, I don't really buy that. I think that yeah. it obviously obviously with him coming off of such a devastating injury last season, I I would tend to think that they're probably going to uh they're probably not going to rush him. That wouldn't be a smart move at all. Yeah, no, really. it would it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a smart even if move, they, especially even if they wait until even if they wait until week three. Uh, you know, I I think that would be I think that would be better. But well, keep keep in know, mind it's seventeen can, games this year. Right, it's seventeen yeah. games instead of sixteen. So, but I don't know. You know, maybe. Maybe he he's one of those guys that can immediately come back from injury and get inserted right back into the lineup with no problem. But I don't know. You know, with the with the way he went down last year, I would want to. I would probably want to make sure I'm a hundred percent before coming back uh, into uh, into game action Absolutely. because you know you never know when you could potentially re-break that ankle. Or rebreak your leg uh, in the fashion that he did. I mean, it's kind of like Alex Smith. You know, Alex Smith when he ended up returning uh, this season from the the Joe Theismann injury, as we refer to it. Uh, you know, you you never knew if maybe some maybe the same thing would happen again. You know, if something if something would potentially happen. You have you had no idea what potentially might have uh, might have gone on. You know yeah, he could exactly. have potentially re-injured himself. You know it's there's a little bit there's a little bit of risk when it comes to Prescott and the type of injury that he suffered. But I think one of the big things though is we saw last season what he means to that cowboy to that cowboys team 
because of the fact, because of how poorly they played after he after he ended up ending his season. But uh, elsewhere, this uh, this shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody. But the Jacksonville Jaguars released Tim Tebow uh, yeah. from their <laughs> really? from their fifty uh, three. From from their roster, uh, he tried in in his uh, latest failure. He tried to mm-hmm. make a 53 man roster as a tight end, despite having never played the position. Um, yeah, I think it's big. He he lasted he lasted one preseason game where he didn't even see a target at all. Uh, huh. Basically. Basically, this was just a way for Urban Meyer to kind of get to kind of give him one more opportunity, basically. And you know, obviously, you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna try him out as a, as a quarterback, considering you have Trevor Lawrence already. So uh, it says here that James O'Shaughnessy or Chris Manhurts, I would probably give the edge to O'Shaughnessy though. Uh, will likely start the season as Jacksonville's number one tight end. Uh, on their roster here, yeah, you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't really come as a shock at all that uh, that Tim Tebow once again failed at a at a sport. Um, go to another. The sport. Seattle, <laughs> yeah, the Seattle Seahawks, the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks, uh, they signed Jamal Adams to a four year, seventy million dollar contract extension that'll put him with the team through 2025. Uh, the deal does include $38 million guaranteed. Uh, probably one of the, uh, probably one of the, one of the best defensive players on their roster. And it's hard to believe that he was a former New York Jet, considering that he was basically, uh, he was basically that entire Jets defense before he ended up getting getting dealt to Seattle. Yeah. I mean, he is the linchpin right now of a defense that got off to a horrific start last year, uh, but, but uh, tremendously improved during the second half of the season. Actually, come to think of it, let me take a look at the, at the schedule, uh, the, ongoing games right now. I want to see. Let's see. We got Raiders uh, trailing the Rams 10 to 7. Uh, Broncos over the Seahawks 17 nothing right now. Teddy Bridgewater 9 of 11 for 105 yards with a touchdown. Uh, he only played two series, though, for the Broncos. So it looks like he was the starter for today's game. Uh, the Bengals drop their game against the Washington football team, 17-13. The Chiefs over the Cardinals, 17-10. The Buffalo Bills absolutely smacked the Chicago Bears, 41-15. The Jets with a 23-14 win over the Packers. Zach Wilson, 9-11 of for 128 yards and two touchdown passes with a with a passer rating of 154.7. 
through four series wow. of uh, four series that he played today. Not that at all. You know what? Maybe perhaps the Jets may actually have a future at quarterback. Well, uh, I think it's a little bit too soon to tell. I mean, I like what he's done so far, but, you know, he still has a lot to prove, you know, being doing preseason stuff. You know, I have to wait until the uh, real season begins, like three or four games in before we can, you know, start seeing how good he really is. I mean, because well, we made the same mistake with, uh, you know, our last quarterback, all the hype, but what did he do? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, Sam, Sam Darnold was completely different. You know, nobody was looking at Sam Darnold as being Sam taken where he got taken. So, you know, it's I – think, I think people were more shocked that Sam Darnold went as high as he did. Yeah. Uh, but looking at, let's see, looking at some of the other stats here for the Jets, uh, you got Michael Carter for 10, ca- 10 carries for 52 yards. Uh, Tyler Croft was the main offensive weapon, though. Two catches, 36 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Corey Davis catches 70 yards. So I think it's safe to say that the Jets do have a bona fide number one wide receiver right now with, uh, with Corey Davis, formerly of Tennessee. So, you know what? Not not really that bad for the for the Jets. Uh the Packers No. I mean, the Packers, Kurt Benkert went eight, uh, eighteen of twenty five, hundred and fifty one yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh Kylan Hill had a rushing touchdown. Uh let's see who the passing touchdown went to. Jace Sternberger, one of their tight ends. Uh, Malik Taylor was the main uh, receiver, though. Four catches, 66 yards. Amari Rogers, four catches for 31 yards. And you still didn't really, you know, I think a lot of teams sat their their uh, their number one starters this week. Which, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, I guess, because you want to we're probably going to see a lot of the starters play most of the game uh, next week, considering the fact that it is the final week of preseason. So uh, kind of makes sense why they, why they sat uh, a lot of teams sat their main starters this week. Uh, the Ravens with a 20 to three victory over the Carolina Panthers the Miami Dolphins, 37-17 to over the Atlanta Falcons. Miles Gaskin had two touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. Uh, the Titans with a 34-3 to victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 26-20 to over the Detroit Lions. Ben Roethlisberger had a, had a good day, 8-10 of 10 for 137 yards and two touchdown passes. Uh, the Colts, 12 to 10 over the Vikings, uh, and the Texans with a 20 to 14 victory over the Dallas Cowboys. And it looks like for tomorrow's games, we have the Giants against the Browns, the Niners against the Chargers, and for Monday's game, we have the Jaguars against the Saints. So. Yeah, I you know, I, I wouldn't really pay much attention to week two 
for the preseason because, like I said, a lot of play, a lot of teams aren't playing their starters this week for some reason. The Patriots did though, but uh, I guess right. it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. I guess a lot of to have uh, are going to have their starters probably play a majority of the games. Uh, next week. Uh, let's see here. The Steelers, they also restructured uh, defensive end Stefan Tuitt's contract, uh, converting $7.925 million of his base salary into a signing bonus, creating $6.34 million in immediate cap space. Uh, he most recently posted a career-high 11 sacks in his age 27 season last year for the Steelers. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, they acquired some uh, some lineman help as they acquired offensive tackle Greg Little from the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a conditional seventh-round pick next year. Uh, it is a strong indication that he probably wasn't going to crack the 53-man roster for the Panthers after turning in 10 shaky appearances uh, with only three starts uh, last year for the Panthers. Uh, for the Dolphins, he'll provide some depth behind second-year left tackle Austin Jackson and be a fallback plan for right tackle Jesse Davis, who was not effective at all last year. Uh, Though it sounds like he will probably, uh, Greg Little will probably play left tackle mostly because right tackle, uh, yeah, he has a reputation for struggling on the right side, apparently. Um, Let's see. Oh, Jets guard Alex Lewis has reportedly decided to retire as he was placed on the exempt left squad list back uh, earlier this earlier this month, uh, which signaled that he might be considering retirement, um, and he confirmed it this past Wednesday. Still 29 years old, though, so he could potentially attempt to come back next year. And uh, speaking of washed-up players, uh, the Niners, they waived quarterback Josh Rosen. You remember this, uh, this guy who the, uh, who the Cardinals traded up to number 10 to take, only yes. for him to wash out of Arizona. Uh, then he ended up going to Miami, I think, where he ended up washing out in Miami. And now here he is he – is, uh, being waived by the 49ers talk about one of the uh talk about potentially one of the biggest washouts that the nfl has seen in recent years as it says here he recently complained about the number of reps uh he was getting as he battled with nate sudfeld for the number three job but behind trey lance and jimmy garoppolo uh, Rosen was 10 of 15 for 93 yards and a pick with the threes in uh, San Francisco's preseason loss to the Chiefs. Uh, Rosen, sh- it says here he should keep getting chances on the ends of rosters for a bit, but nothing he's shown as a professional quarterback so far should make anyone optimistic that he's about to quote-unquote get it. 
but even though he's only 24 years old still, he is getting dangerously close to being out of the league. And actually, you know what? That's, that's another quarterback competition to talk about. Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah. You know, even, even though they are, even though they have uh, constantly said that uh, this offense or this team is Jimmy Garoppolo's team, there's no way that you trade up as high as you did and giving up all of those prospects or I mean not no. prospects, but giving up giving up all those picks just to take a guy who's gonna sit this year. You gotta think that Garoppolo is probably uh you know, he's probably going to be headed out at some point this year and that Trey Lance will eventually take over. Right. Yeah. One would say I would assume. And I think it kind of says something too that he did actually get real first uh, first reps with the first team this uh, this week during during the dual practices. So I think that could be a potential indication that the Niners may be looking at possibly using him uh, as a starter for some of the games this year if Garoppolo ends up struggling. I mean, let's get, let's get your thoughts on this first, Lou. Uh, I mean, does it just make sense that Trey Lance should eventually see the field at some point this season? Or, I would think so, yes. Or is it, you know, I, I mean, there, there's been, there's been uh, some cases like take Pat Mahomes, for example, uh, yes. He sat his first. He sat his entire first year uh, with Alex Smith being the uh, the starting quarterback for the Chiefs that year, and then the very next year, uh, you know, they shipped off. Uh, they shipped away Smith, and they ended up uh, going with Mahomes during his second season. Would it make sense for the Niners to to sit Trey Lance this entire first season, even though? they traded up and gave up so many assets in order to even be able to draft him? Mm. I don't know if it's worthy to send him out for the full year. Uh, that doesn't even really make much sense to me. Because, I mean, Trey, uh, I would he, say did put up, he, he, he did put up big numbers last year, but keep in mind, yes. it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was playing for, an elite, uh, you know, he wasn't playing mm-hmm. for for an elite program like Alabama or something. No, nobody's more elite than that. Yeah. I mean, J- JB, what are your thoughts? You know, if if you were San Francisco and you traded all you traded all of these assets, including multiple first round picks, uh, in order to be able to to draft Trey Lance with the number two overall pick. Do you, do you immediately start him in his first year or do you have, or do you have Garoppolo uh, start and give him more time, give him more time to get used to the Niners uh, playbook? Uh, 
I I would uh, play him in the uh, preseason, see how he does. Uh, you know, have him also. out, uh, you know, before that, and I can see them, uh, you know, I can see them, uh, I can actually see them, uh, you know, playing, uh, playing him. I would think that the plan would be to play him at some point this season, because also, not to mention, he is getting... He is starting to get reps with the first uh, with the with the starters now. All of a sudden, in practice, you don't do that unless you're planning on unless you're planning on playing him at some point. And Trey Lance, he did not see any action last week, uh, as it was split between Rosen and Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo only played uh, only played one series, I think. So it looks like right. it's probably going to be Garoppolo that's going to start uh, start out the season at least. But you got to think that maybe perhaps if Trey Lance impresses tomorrow night, that maybe maybe perhaps maybe. San Francisco may think may think about. Uh, possibly using him at some point this season, if not having him start the season. Right. Or even starting him like the uh, second season, uh, second uh, second or third uh, game. Just to switch gears for just a second, I just found something that uh, I don't know if anybody cared with this or not, but the Orioles are now at the 17 losses in a row. I can't really oh, say I'm shocked. I can't can really I. say I'm shocked about that because, you know, but you know that, that's a, that's one thing. Uh, some MLB teams are honestly playing with minor leaguers at this point of the season, right? You know, like Washington, for example, they got rid of all their of all their big players. Uh, even the Cubs, actually, the Cubs got rid of quite yeah. a few people, and. You know, so, somebody wrote uh, wrote an opinion piece earlier. Uh, I think it was last week, and they basically said that you have a couple of teams that are playing like they shouldn't even be playing in the major leagues right now. Yeah, the real life bad news bears. Pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, it's. It's just, but the fact that the Orioles, you know, they've just lost their 17th consecutive game, that's not really much of a shock to me because, uh, you know, they haven't been good. They haven't been good since the Buck Showalter years where they were at least maybe, maybe for a couple of years, they were at least a legitimate uh, potential threat, but Otherwise, I mean, you know, like like the Boston Red Sox, for example, it's fa- every time the Red Sox face uh, face off against them, it's it's essentially batting practice now. Yeah, I mean, it's seventeen. I mean, there are losing streaks, and then there are losing streaks that are just embarrassing. 
I mean, I've never seen the Yankees do that. I've, you know, I've never seen, you know, like the Dodgers do that or anything else. But I mean, or even the Mets. But uh, the worst I saw them was 12. But you know, you just go from bad to worse every year. How in the world are you still even, even getting fans to come and watch you? I mean, because you're just basically a national joke. Yeah, well, you know, I Cal Ripken era. Well, you know, I think a lot of fans are watching the Orioles this year mainly because Trey Mancini, uh, their their power hitting outfielder, uh, made his return to baseball for the first time since uh, since having to uh, fight against cancer. Good inspiration. I think he had like colon. I, I think he had colon cancer or something. Yeah, uh, I think you're so. Right. You know, that's one of the uh, that's one of the big. Uh, one of the big reasons I think that people, like JB said, you know, he's an inspiration. Uh, the fact yeah. that, you know, he's able to come back after missing a significant amount of time where nobody knew if he would even be able to play again. So, you know, having play, him like, be able to play like shit. Yeah, obviously. I mean, they're they're thirty eight and eighty four right now. Which, let me check. I believe, yeah, they they have about three games on the Arizona Diamondbacks for the worst team in the league. <laughs> yeah, how you know, the Diamondbacks the, aren't any better. No, how far away from the tragic number? Uh they have about a good three game lead, I think, on on Arizona for the worst team in the league. Because Baltimore has thirty eight wins, Arizona has forty one. And yet they're not mathematically eliminated yet. Well they should be. Yeah, technically they should be. But for some reason they're not, uh, as of yet. Uh they're I mean they're thirty seven they're 37 games behind in the division, 31 behind in the wild card. Uh, like like you said, they've lost their last 17. They have a run differential of minus 231, which I believe is <laughs> wow. It's the worst. It's the worst in the league by about 50. Oh. The next this is the greatest coming charge I've ever seen. The next, the next worst team in terms of run differential is Pittsburgh with minus one eighty six. Uh, I I think they, they could potentially. I don't I don't know what the record is for run differential, but they could potentially be on the verge of a, uh, you know, of a potential record. Yeah, and it's one record you're not proud of. For the wor- the worst run differential in Major League Baseball history. Oh God! But you know, taking a look at the divisions right now, uh, Tampa Bay they currently lead the American League East by about four games on the Yankees. The Yankees have yeah. crawled into the wild card. Uh, bet. And you know, I I still say this. I think I think this Red Sox collapse this year may be. I, I don't know if it's worse than the seventy uh than the seventies collapse. I know it's worse than it may be worse than the beer and chicken collapse actually of uh 
of I think it was 2011 where the Sox oh, yeah, yeah, had I think the Sox had like a six game lead or something and they ended up completely collapsing in September and wow. missing the playoffs missing the playoffs entirely uh, that year. But Boston, they're about a half game out of the wild card. Uh, Toronto is four and a half out of the wild card, and Baltimore, yeah, they're 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 done. Forget um, about Baltimore. <laughs> they were done yeah, on day two, basically. basically. Uh, Chicago, the White Sox, they have a commanding lead. You could pretty much say that they're that they've locked up the AL Central. Uh, they have about a ten and a half game lead over second place Cleveland, um, and you know they got even. They only got better with the acquisition of Craig Kimbrell at the deadline. Good God, talk about a devastating bullpen! You know, I'll tell you one thing. If there's one thing that the Yankees, the one roadblock that the Yankees may run into in the playoffs, it's the White Sox bullpen. Because good yeah. God, are they scary. Uh, Houston, they lead the AL West by about three and a half games over Oakland. Oh, that was actually a pretty – speaking of which, uh, that was a pretty scary sight in Oakland earlier this week. Um, oh, yeah. Them losing uh, losing their ace, who uh, ended up getting uh, – he ended up suffering a cheek fracture from a line drive that he took to the face. Yes. Uh, Chris Bassett. So he's out for uh, – the good news is is that his vision has been unaffected. Uh, right. the, fracture, the fracture will require surgery. Uh, it's not known exactly how long he will be out, though, um, for it. I imagine for quite a while. But that's going to be pretty damaging to the Athletics' hopes, potentially, of contending. Uh, they are oh, yeah. three and a half games out. They are three and a half games out, but they, they are one of the members, uh, one of the holders of the wild card for the American League, with the Yankees being the other. Uh, Seattle, four, uh, four games out of the wild card. They're still technically in the divisional race, seven and a half games back, but the the window is closing. It's basically. doable. It's doable, but the window is closing. Yeah. Uh, in the well, national seven league, and a half East, about what forty games to play. It can be done. It can, yeah. I mean, they're they're going to need some help too in order for the in order for it to be done. I mean, uh, I saw a strange collapse with the Mets one time. True. And actually, speaking of a collapse, they are currently in the middle of one right now uh, as they no, longer, they no longer lead the National League East. And we talked about this last week, actually, uh, that despite losing Ronald Acuna Jr. for probably most of the yeah. season, if not the entire season, Atlanta is now on top of the National League East by about four and a half games uh, ahead of Philadelphia and seven games ahead of the Mets. Uh, the National League Central, you got the Milwaukee Brewers in the, in the lead by about seven and a half games over Cincinnati. However, good news for Reds fans is the Reds are currently in the playoff picture 
as one of the two representatives of the National League wild card. Never thought I'd see that happen. Yeah, hopefully yeah, we can very... stay that way. You're just I mean, barely the hanging in Also, there. you know, potential losers. Yeah, you're just and... barely hanging in there, though. Uh, only a half-game lead over the San Diego Padres. Yeah, but what I mentioned was, you know, over the past, uh, you know, how many years, the Reds have been, you know, absolutely horrible. They they haven't even given above 500. I mean, all of a sudden they're in a playoff chase. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they the have Reds been have perennial been, losers. Been garbage fire. Yeah, they they have been perennial losers for so many years, and now all of a sudden they seem to all of a sudden they found themselves uh, in the thick of things. Yeah, the big red machine is back. Well, uh, I wouldn't. Know. I wouldn't go with the big okay, red man. machine. Okay, it's an exaggeration. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're four and a half games back of the wild card. Uh, they're actually working on terms with uh, Yadier Molina on a potential contract extension, so that's something to keep an eye on there if you're a St. Louis for any St. Louis Cardinal mm-hmm. fans. Uh, in the NL West, San Francisco has a one-and-a-half game lead on the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a very comfortable ten-and-a-half game lead in the wild card. So it's pretty much guaranteed that whoever whoever uh, whoever wins the NL West, the runner-up will be basically the first wild card. Uh, and like I said, Earlier, the uh, the Padres they are about a half game out of the wild card. However, they are in the middle of a four game losing streak, including two and eight in their last ten games. So this has been pretty damaging so far for the Padres' playoff hopes. Yeah. <sighs> Just when we thought and... they were going to come on strong and do it. Not just that, but also when you consider all of the prospects, they've pretty much drained their entire prospect pool acquiring all these players. And if they end up missing the playoffs, I mean, you basically just flushed your entire future down the drain. Yeah. But, yeah, that's pretty much what the what the playoff picture looks like right now um actually yeah you know what let me take a look at the wild card specifically uh the wild card oh, you have for the a for the american league you have the yankees and oakland uh boston seattle and toronto are the three teams that are technically still in the race with, I mean, Cleveland and the Angels, they're eight and a half games out. I mean, it's doable, but they would need some major help in order to, uh, in order to, you know, to stay in the race and potentially uh, climb the ladder. But for the most part, it seems like the American League wild card is down to five teams. The Yankees, Oakland, Boston, Seattle, and Toronto. Two of those five teams will represent the American League uh, as the wild card. For the National League, you have L.A. and the, uh, and the uh, Reds as the two current teams. Uh, in the hunt, you still have San, you have San Diego, Philadelphia, St. Louis, and New York. 
with Colorado being at ten and a half games back, they're you can technically say they're probably math. They're not mathematically eliminated yet, but you could almost consider them eliminated. Uh, yeah. So it's down to it's down to six teams in the National League. Uh, yeah, it's if I were to if I were to make a guess, I would say you're pro. If it's not going to be Cincinnati, you're probably looking at San Diego as your yeah. second wild card team. Yeah. But who knows though? It's it's possible with with how Cincinnati has been playing recently, uh, they could possibly, assuming that San Diego keeps going south uh, with their play, Cincinnati could potentially well, hang on here. Yeah. They just tie the game up against Philadelphia, so they're not dead yet. No, they're not dead. Philadelphia isn't dead yet, uh, but judging from the – judging uh, for Philadelphia, judging from the text messages I'm getting from Tim right now, who's our uh, our Phillies <laughs> fan in, uh, in Sports Whispers, things aren't going real well tonight for the Phillies. So uh, San Diego just tied the game up. Yeah, uh, Nola, I believe, was pitching a no-hitter, I think, at one point. And no, Phillies have the lead actually. Or no, 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 no. The Padres did tie it up. Wow. Yep. Yep. So Ian Ke- Ian Kennedy blew the save. Wow. So stupid. I got the scores right and in front of only, me. And, and that was only their second hit all game. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. That sucks. And, that, and it was with and it was with two outs too. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Thankfully, it wasn't a playoff game. Yeah. And the the only other game that's currently going on right now, Diamondbacks and Rockies are tied at two. But it looks like right, potentially the Rockies, the Rockies may potentially win this here with runners on first and second, but two outs uh, two in outs. the bottom of the ninth. Yankees, though, I got to tell you, ever since you guys got Anthony Rizzo and uh, yep. Joey Gallo, your offense has drastically improved ever since. I know. That's what we need. I mean, it, I I would be kind of frightened if I'm if I'm a team that's trying to uh you know, that's that that's going to be facing the Yankees, I would be kind of frightened of uh of this offense right now. And I'm still pissed off that that I still think Hein Bloom could have gotten Anthony Rizzo before the Yankees did, but Bloom didn't want to mm-hmm. give up the the necessary prospect to do so. Well, you bite the hand of DJ, and that's what you got. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, we're we're reaching the end of our uh, the end of our show yeah. tonight. Luckily, we made it the full three hours tonight. Um, Hallelujah. A uh, bit of a programming note. Uh, obviously, next Friday night we will have the Big Brother 23 recap show, uh, hosted by myself and Melissa. Uh, a reminder for Survivor fans: uh, our producer Jim Early he was on the show last night with us, and he did tell us that there would be a recap show for Survivor this season. So, uh, whenever. Oh, when 
Have a good night, Lou. Uh, Thanks. But, well, you know, when, whenever, whenever that uh, happens, whenever uh, Survivor starts back up, we will be doing the Survivor recap shows. Uh, and if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by subscribing to Missy AE on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by searching Missy AE. Uh, a big thank you to Lou and a uh, big thank you to JB for joining me tonight. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.